Welcome to the One New Man Network from Kirtlandry Ministries at House of David, where we learn about the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. The following is a replay of a previous service. Let's give him some praise. Go ahead. He's worthy. You know, it's, it's hard whenever you're praising the Lord not to have a smile on your face. So, you know, he's, he's worthy of praise. Shabbat Shalom. It's good if I could see you. It would be good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. But um, we're glad that you're here and trust that you've come expecting something good from the Lord. God has good things in store for you. If you've been watching uh, Rabbi and Christine, keeping up with what's going on over there, you know that they are keeping a very full schedule. Um, and uh, But the, what I've got back from him so far was that things are going very well. He's excited about what the Lord's doing. So yeah, let's give the Lord a praise. Well, let's welcome everybody that's joining us online. We're glad that you're joining House of David tonight. Shabbat Shalom to you. Tonight I'm going to be talking about obtaining the inheritance. Rabbi talked last Friday night about uh, protecting the inheritance, but tonight I want to talk a little bit about what Peter said about what our inheritance really is, how we engage in that and we live in that and we walk in that. And so uh, obtaining the inheritance. How many of you know that you're a child of inheritance? Every one of you have an inheritance. Not only are you experiencing an inheritance, you're leaving an inheritance. So it's a flow through process that we have. I want to talk tonight about what Peter experienced. You know, Peter went through some um, interesting seasons in his life from first being called out by the Lord, these uh, initial time spent walking with the Lord during Christ's ministry on earth, going through the highs and the lows of that, um, having the idea that of who Christ was and the revelation that God had given into him when Jesus asked him, who do men say that I am? It was Peter that was first to recognize who he was following. And a lot of times Peter gets a bad rap. You know, it's, um, Peter was always um, kind of at the forefront, so to speak, of almost everything that they did. Was always included in the inner circle And there's a reason why Peter was included in that inner circle. Peter um, Peter really loved the Lord. Peter's inheritance is an ongoing thing. Each of us draw from Peter's process of life from his experience. And so tonight I'm on, we're gonna look at Peter's experience and also his advice to us, 
to all those who was going to follow after him. And then we're going to bring Paul in in a couple of different spots. Um, just to kind of expound on what Peter was saying. So we're going to begin in 1 Peter, the first chapter, in verse 3. Peter was a simple man, and God likes simple things. Try not to make it too complicated. Whenever we was spending some of the, our, our time with um, Dr. T.L. Osborne, he, one of the things that he stressed to us whenever we would sit down at the table with him, he says, you know, he said, I've spent 65 years in the ministry almost here now, he says. And he says, I have been trying desperately to simplify the message. He said, a lot of times, we you know, everybody's trying to get so deep. He says, I'm trying to simplify it, break it down to its finest, most minute point of it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He said, if I couldn't get anything else across to all the different audiences that I've had over the years, he said, if I could just get them to grasp this one thing, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is our inheritance. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So Peter begins his letter here as this, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right off the bat he begins as blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God the Father. Blessed be God the Father who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, who has begotten us again. Why did he have to begot us again? And I know that English is not exactly. Why has he begotten us again? Because we have lost the initial glory that man had with God in the garden. The, the appearance of Adam before the fall was one of absolute splendor and glory. And that was lost because of sin, because of the choice that we made, because of what we was deceived by. But the Lord, the Father, did not let that obstacle divert his attention from bringing us back to that same place of intimate fellowship. Everything about the inheritance is about an intimate fellowship. You know, I'm in the farming industry. The farming industry is a, it's kind of a unique thing right now, especially, and it's always been a little bit this way, more so I think now than probably in days maybe past, but you get into it by basically having an inheritance. There's not too many people that just wake up one day and says, you know what, I think I'm gonna be a farmer. 
I'm going to go out and just purchase some land and I'm just going to go buy some tractors and I'm going to buy some equipment and I'll go buy some seed and I'll just start this process just day one, I'm a farmer. You can go out and you can do, run some equipment. You can go out and you can turn some earth, but you're probably not much of a farmer just on that first day. I've been fortunate in my life that I've had four generations ahead of me that laid a foundation for me. I am a product of, I'm the son of a farmer, the son of a farmer, the son of a farmer. So when I was growing up, there wasn't much question about what I was gonna be. I was gonna be a farmer. That was part of my inheritance, but I am what I am today because of what my father did, what my grandfather did, and what my great-grandfather did, and what great-great-grandfather and grandmother did. I'm still on some of that same land that they began the process of farming. So I'm a product of an inheritance. I've succeeded because of what somebody else did ahead of me. In the spirit realm, it's the same thing. A lot of times we are succeeding because of what someone else, because of the pioneering work of other people. We have been, got, been begotten again to a living hope. When Jesus Christ came and did what he did as far as to offer himself as a sacrifice, the process of that was that we was going to be, as we believed in that work of Jesus Christ, we were being born again. Now we talk about, you know, it's a, have you been born again? Well, yeah, I'm born again. All right. So if I'm born again, then what do I look like being born again? What does my life look like? As a farmer, um, you know, farmers recognize farmers. It doesn't take very long. I can walk, you know, I can walk into the mall or I can walk in a different place and, and it just shows. Now, there are some farmers that, like I say, if they're a pig farmer, that shows in different ways. <laughs> now, I'm a dirt farmer, okay? I farm, I farm small grains, wheat, corn, soybeans, that sort of stuff. Not so much in the livestock right now, but have been in, in times past. But there is an air on some folks more than others. There is, there is something about how the, it just, you just, you just recognize it. I have known, uh, I'm going to use Don Finto. Don Finto's not here to uh, defend himself. Don Finto is, is anything but a farmer right now. But Don Finto is still a farmer to me. Don Finto was a farmer out in West Texas in Amarillo, a cotton farmer. Left that, was uh, pioneering work uh, in the evangelistic field in Germany, uh, was the big pastor of the Big Belmont Church in Nashville, uh, works with the Jewish community in Israel, is, uh, was key, wrote the book, Your People Shall Be My People, um, was just a key component in the one new man. But the first time I met 
Don, I looked at him and I said, he's a farmer. And I didn't know any of his background. I didn't know that he actually was a farmer around Amarillo when he began. Left the farm at a young age. But you know, a lot of times you can take a farmer off the farm and he's still a farmer. Jesus went to a fisherman. And he said, you know what? If you guys will just throw your net on over here, you're going to catch fish. And they did. Jesus knew a little bit about fishing. Then he told these guys, you know what, if you'll come with me, I'll make you fishers of men rather than fishers of fish. They're still doing what they have always done. What is in their DNA? What is in their DNA? God can use you wherever you are. You don't have to go out and say, well, I'm, I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. Well, good for you. But Billy Graham was the Billy Graham. You're called to be who you are and operate in the anointing that you have, and you can be just as effective as Billy Graham was. Just as effective. But you have to understand your inheritance because it's not about being like rabbi. It's not like being like Don Fento. It's not being like somebody, anybody else. It's about being like Christ. He is the example. So that's the inheritance that we want to portray. He has begotten us again to a living hope. A living hope. Not something that's off in the future, but now this is an, uh, it's a process of taking us step by step, day by day, into a deeper revelation of Jesus Christ, who he is, not who he was, it's okay to know about who he was, but it's more to know about who he is today because that's what you have. You have today. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's a, you know, it, it's a hope for the future, but you have today an understanding who you are in him today. We have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is alive. Jesus is alive. It says he's begotten us from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. So we have an inheritance that is incorruptible. It cannot be tarnished. So no matter what you do, you're not going to change who Jesus is. You're not changing who Jesus is. You know, the world may have all, all sorts of plans right now to try to Remove God from everything that's in our culture. They will fail miserably. They will fail miserably. We have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away. It's not going away. You're never going to push God away from what he has created. It's reserved in heaven for you. You have a reservation. If you've ever wanted to go to a restaurant and have a, a really nice meal, a lot of times if it's a really good place, usually you have to phone in a reservation. Sometimes days, weeks, months ahead. Well, this reservation has been kept, was reserved for you thousands of years ago. You have a reservation in heaven. Your place at the table is secure if you've trusted in Jesus Christ. 
It says, you are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in what time? It says the last time. How many of you know you're living in the last time? Peter believed he was living in the last time in his day. That's been almost 2,000 years ago. If he was living in the last days, you definitely are. This is the last time, but not the last as far as final end nothing. This is about, this is the last days for the beginning. The beginning of what's getting ready to be revealed when God begins to do the renovation on planet earth. There's a restoration. There's a remodel that's getting ready to take place. And we get to be a part of that. That's part of the inheritance. Paul said it this way over in Colossians, and this is not on your notes, in, in Colossians, the first chapter and the 27th verse. It says, to them, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is what T.L. always was, was teaching to us, that it's Christ in you. He says, him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Our inheritance is one that we will all return to a place of perfection. That's a process. You're not perfect yet. I hate to tell you that, but you're still in process. So that should bring you some hope and relief because we all fail. We all have shortcomings, but you're not losing your inheritance because, oh, I didn't do everything just exactly right. I didn't part my hair right today. So therefore, bad hair day, oh, I've lost my inheritance. No, that's not the way it works. Your inheritance is guaranteed secure in Christ Jesus as long as you your faith, your hope, your trust in him and not in you, but in him. Then in verse 6, back in 1 Peter, it says, In this you greatly rejoice. It's good to know that our salvation is secure. Now, I'm not into eternal security, and yet I am. Secure, your security is eternal in Christ, but it's your choice. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. How many of you have ever had any trials and tests going through life? Or has life just been a bowl of cherries? It's been, you've been walking through the rose garden all this time. Once I got saved, all my problems just fled away. I got news for you. Most people are, that's not the experience. And there's a reason why it's not the experience. That's not the norm. Because in this world, it says you'll have tests, trials, tribulations. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the test. I've overcome everything else that's going to, everything that has, is going to test, try, and, and just wear on you is to make you become aware of your weakness, but more aware of his strength. It says that the genuineness, in verse seven, genuineness, 
genuineness. Genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, to honor, to glory at the revelation of I've arrived. No, it's at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the revelation that we have to get. That's where our inheritance fully becomes operational is that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. The revelation, the revelation, the revelation. His spirit is in you tonight, now. How do we know that his spirit is in man? Look in somebody's eyes. Look in somebody's eyes. I've looked into the eyes of numerous people who are going home to be with the Lord. And I can tell by their eyes. I can tell by their eyes when the spirit leaves this house. Because there's a light that just simply goes. They're not in that house anymore. Doesn't mean that they're not still who they've always been. They're just not in that house anymore. His spirit is there. We've gone through this. It's being tested by fire. The praise, honor, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It says, whom you have, you, you have not seen him. We don't, we, don't, we don't physically get to see him for the most part. Once in a while, there are people that get glimpses of him. But for the most part, you're not, in your natural eyes, you're not seeing him. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. Once we get the revelation of who we are in him, it's hard to keep a good man down or a woman. Once you get it really figured out that Christ is in you, you may be going through the most adverse circumstances and break out in a, in this silly giggle. When the revelation comes, Christ, I can't do anything with this, but this is no problem for you. I'm being held in your hand. What can steal from the Father's hand? Nothing. No one can take me and remove me from the Father's love. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your what? Soul. soul. Well, what is our soul? Your mind, will, and emotion. The battle is over the mind. The battle is how do you see yourself? What's your perception of you? What's your perception of God? Why did Jesus ask his disciples, who do you say that I am? That question is still being asked today. Who do we say that he is? Well, that all depends on what I'm going through. How, you know, am I up or am I down? Am I, it shouldn't make any difference. Christ has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. Christ is eternal. So the battle is in the mind. How do we see ourselves in him? If you're in the midst of a 
difficult time. It seems like nothing's going right. You're being assaulted on every side. Sometimes it's a difficult view to grasp the goodness. Sandy and I was talking um, about the writer of a song, It Is Well With My Soul. All the different things that man went through and yet during the journey of going to where his family was lost in shipwreck, he penned that song, It Is Well With My Soul. That's choosing to obtain the inheritance of knowing who you are about this journey through what we call life and still being able to remain connected, tied to the revelation of who Jesus is. It says, of this salvation, the salvation of our souls, in verse 10, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully all down through the pages of the Bible, the different prophets, as they're getting words of revelation about what God was going to do, not only for the nation of Israel, but for all of those who, who came to trust in the God of Israel. They searched carefully, who says, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. The grace that came to you. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them, understand, before Christ came, back in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Zechariah, all the different prophets, Daniel, the spirit of Christ was already in them, revealing to them what he was getting ready to do. That grace that's coming to us, but now it's been manifested. They looked forward to Christ coming. Now we look back to what he's already accomplished, but it's still the same Christ. He testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glories that would follow. He'd already predicted Christ is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world before Adam fell. Before Adam fell. The glory that would follow. The glory that would follow. When you were singing that song just a moment ago, this house was filled with glory. You were joining angels in the heavenly host, praising a God who's worthy to be praised. That's a privilege. That's glories that follows through. In verse 12, to them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. You're getting the privilege of experiencing things that angels are not even experiencing. Angels, you know, they're in heaven right now, right? The angels of God are in heaven. They have access to the heavenly realm and they also access here. They're, they're ministering spirits along with us. There are angels that, that have been assigned to each and every one of you to help you along the way because you are a gift and a promise from God that you're sharing in the glory of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
That power is being manifested. It's being witnessed to principalities, powers, spirits in dark places, evil spirits, proving what they, their accusation against God, proving that accusation wrong. Because if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, how can he be this unfair, unjust God that they've accused him of? That rebellion that started, no matter, I don't know how many thousands of years ago, or how, who knows when Satan began that process. But Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. But that means if he fell, God is raising you and I up to a place to occupy on the north side, a place of praise and honor to where you get to glory, join in the angelic host and sing praises and glory and honor to a God who's worthy of it. That's our inheritance. That's our inheritance. Therefore, it says in verse 13, gird up the loins of your what? Mind, your soul. Gird up the loins. How do you gird up the loins of your... Who knew that mind had loins? Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. In other words, be aware. Be vigilant. Don't let your focus, don't let your perception fall off into unbelief, into doubt, into fear. Don't let that happen. It says, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ is revealed. He's been being revealed since day one. The writer in the Psalm says, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. They are without excuse. If they've never heard from anything else, if they've seen the night sky, there should be a revelation of who Jesus Christ is because of the constellations. There's a need to look at the bigger picture. You know, so, many, so much of the time we get so caught up in what's going on in our world. Well, this is happening to me. Oh, you know, it's just, this is, and we think everybody is, you know, if we're having a bad day, well, everybody's having a bad day. And sometimes if other people meet us when we're having a bad day, then they start having a bad day. Instead of when they see us in the midst of trials and tests, are they seeing the hope of the glory of the revelation of Jesus Christ that you're passing through this, you're passing through tests, you're passing through trials, you're, you're, you're overcoming the world and everything that the enemy has thrown against us. So we have to look at the bigger picture. In verse 14, as obedient children, obedient children, children can be obedient. Sometimes. Isn't it good to have obedient children? Doesn't that make proud parents? You think the Father in heaven is proud when we do the right thing? 
I think it just brings a smile to his face. You know, I think, I think God has a really good sense of humor. Look in the mirror sometimes. Look at yourself. God has to have a sense of humor to love what's in that mirror. And he does. He loves you just like you are. Even before you've put the makeup on. Even before you've brushed the teeth of a morning. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Well, how can we be holy? How can we be kadosh? How can we be set apart? It's because whenever we began to recognize and realize that it's Christ in me. The thought processes, we're not being conformed to the world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind as we spend time in his word, as we spend time in fellowship and communion with him. God is in the process of transforming us from the inside out. And we begin to reflect a different picture in that mirror as we begin to see Jesus Christ. What are you looking at when you look in that mirror? Look at Jesus Christ. A lot of times whenever we meet people on the street, we, you know, we come to church or we come to services and we meet other, other believers and, you know, we look at them and it's, are you really looking for Jesus or are you looking for something else? When you meet the, your brother on the street, sometimes they may be living a different lifestyle than what we're, you know, um, pleased with, so to speak. Do you still see Jesus in them? Can you see the light in their eyes, the potential of who they can be? The potential, God can save them. Why did Jesus not spend a lot of time with a bunch of the, the religious folks, but ended up spending a bunch of his time with publicans and sinners and tax collectors? And Oh my gosh, what a crowd. because he saw the light in their eyes of who they could be when they recognized him, the savior of their souls, the hope of glory. Be holy for I am holy. Verse 17 says, and if you call on the father, if you call on the father, how many of you have ever called on their father? How many of you have ever went to Daddy God? You know, a lot of times we don't go to Daddy God first. We'll use up every other ounce of strength that we've got. I'll fix this myself. I don't know how many times I've heard little kids say this, especially when they're just learning to talk I do do by myself. I'll do this on my own. I don't need your help. I don't need your help. I'll do this on my own. I can handle this. And they do. And then usually there's somebody there that's picking up the pieces. They're doing a lot of other things. There's all sorts of things that happen. But if we'll call on the Father first, Instead of using yourself up, 
There's so many pastors, there's so many believers that are burning themselves out. Why? Because they're doing it in their own strength instead of the power of the Holy Spirit. Ouch. Who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Isn't it interesting that Peter uses this terminology? As long as you're here, this isn't a long-term engagement. If you live 70 years, 100 years, in the face of eternity, that's a drop in a bucket. You're just passing through this season and you're passing through it really pretty quickly. It's interesting when you talk to different ages. I've got a couple young men that work for me. One of them is 18 and the other one just turned 24. And it's amazing how much different just a couple of years, a few years are from 24 to 18 how they look at things. The 24-year-old now is an old man to the 18-year-old. I'm looking at them from a 60-year-old point of view and you both are a bunch of kids. So it's all about your perception. I've got a lady that I farm for that she just turned 103. She calls everybody kids. <laughs> so through our time that we stay in here, understand this is just a very short, brief moment of time that the Lord is preparing you for a future, for a hope, for the glory walking in his presence, walking in power, walking in the destiny that he has arranged for you. You're being shaped and molded right now for what's getting ready to be revealed in the coming season. Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. So what we saw in his life, 33 years, is still witnessing, it's still testifying of how we're to live our lives, to keeping our focus on, on the prize, on the long view of life, the eternal view of life. Though in these last times, through him we believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in who? God. Our faith, our hope, everything that we have 
laid in store for us all reside in an inheritance that's being left to us by God. And each of us are leaving an inheritance to those who are following after us. Are we pointing, is our life, is the fruit of our life, is it bringing that younger generation? I, I watch what I do pretty close when I'm with those, with the 18-year-old and the 24-year-old. Because just like little kids are sponges, I found out that 18-year-olds and 24-year-olds are kind of sponges too. They're, they're taking in your conversation, your words. They're receiving how you respond to different things. They're watching you. Are you for real or are you a phony? Paul put it this way in Ephesians. This is not in your notes either, Ephesians 1 and 18. It says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Each and every one of you has an inheritance that's imperative that you obtain, that you activate, and that you walk in so that the bigger picture of what Christ is doing for the, for the congregation of the righteous as a whole so that the world can see that his people are different than everyone else. By this, it says, shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have what? Love for one another. If we as believers let our conduct, our speech, the way that we go through life, exemplify something other than love, we're not giving the true picture of who we are in Christ. Christ loved the world when it was still in sin. We also have to do the same thing. Back to 1 Peter in verse 22, of the first chapter. Since you have purified your soul in obeying the truth through the spirit of sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Peter is has caught that vision as he is ministering his inheritance to those who would follow after him. He says, you need to love the brethren with a fervent love, with a God kind of love, with a Jesus kind of love. Gee, I mean, Peter is remembering when Jesus took him to breakfast one morning on the Sea of Galilee and said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter was grieved by that, but now as he's went through the experience of life, he's understanding what Jesus was doing to him. He's canceling the curse. He's bringing him back into intimate fellowship and that his mind is being transformed and all that guilt and condemnation from the rejection of God earlier has now been erased. You can do the very same thing by your conduct, helping other people lose that spirit and that fear of condemnation by not being accepted. Jesus made it very clear. Yeah, you failed. Know what? I expected it. But I still love you. 
and I'm going to restore you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm bringing you back into the intimate fellowship with me. That's the inheritance. Having been born again, having been born again, we have to get it into our mind that we are being born again or have been born again. Our spirits belong to the Lord, but our soul, our mind, will, and emotion, they're still in that process of understanding who we are and how to function, how to operate in this, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The old man always wants to resurrect himself. And we have to continually put the old man back at the foot of the cross, refocus on who's on the cross, who came off from that cross and came out from the grave and gives us life anew. As we do that, then what happens is then that changes the way we see ourselves. It says here that we've not been born of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. What God has put inside of us is not going to be corruptible. It's not going to be corrupted. It's not going to be fall off into doing the things of the old. It says, but through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, that seed that's been put inside of us is in the process of transforming us from the inside out. You know, the law was given and it was written on tablets of stone, right? But the new covenant says that I'm going to send that law word. I'm going to send that instruction. I'm going to send that teaching. And it's going to be written upon the tablets of our heart, on tablets of flesh. And that Jesus even condensed that and he said, look, there's only two really, out of all the, the laws and all the commandments, all the ordinances, let me sum up the law as this, loving the Lord with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself or your brother as yourself. On this, he says, hangs all the law and the prophets. He simplified it. You love God with everything that you have, and then you love one another with everything that you have. How, how simple could that be? That's... That's simplifying it to the, to the minutest detail. Can you love one another? We can. We don't always, though. It's real easy to get offended. Sometimes we get offended very easily. Why do we get so offended so easily? I mean, there is absolutely no tolerance right now on anything that you've seen in the public arena. Well, where's the church stand in all of that? Well, a lot of times because the church is doing the very same thing. We can't get along with one another. Why are there so many denominations? I thought we was all one church. Really? Just walk down the street and find out. A lot of folks can't go to a restaurant with, well, I'm not going to go with that group. Well, they get there early. Their pastor lets them out early, so they get to the restaurant early. It's not happening in the house of David. <laughs> Rabbi, send your cards and letters to Rabbi Kurt Landry. <laughs> the word of God lives, abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass. Really? All flesh is as grass. All the glory of man as the flower of the grass. How many knows the flower of grass doesn't last very long? 
says the grass withers, its flower falls away, but the word of of the Lord, it endures for how long? Forever. The word of God is 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 forever. So why aren't we quoting the word of God instead of giving somebody a piece of our mind? The word of God abides forever, forever, forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So you have that word in you. It's abiding forever. We can activate it. We can obtain it. We can engage with it and see it perform and not return void because God's word never returns void. First Peter in 2 9 says this, you are a chosen generation. Well, I always knew I was special. You're a chosen generation. You're a chosen generation. You're a chosen generation. There's never been any generation like this. You know, I'm witnessing the great generation evaporate. Those that fought in World War II, those that came up and went through the depression, those, those that did all those things, they call that the great generation. And it was. And it is. But you are a chosen generation. A chosen generation. You're going to see some things that that generation didn't see. You're going to have some opportunity to rise to a level of greatness that even they didn't arise to. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a nation that's kadosh, that's set up art, that is, that is the essence of the glory of the Lord manifest on planet earth. That's you. That's you. You have the light. You have the glory. You have the spirit. You are the ones that are representing Christ on planet earth right now. It says a holy nation, his own special people. Well, aren't you special? Say, yes, I am. Yes, I am special. Because I have God in me says that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. I'm not, I'm not what I, I was. I'm not who I want to be yet, but I'm certainly not who I was. And that's good news because God's not done with me yet. I still have a ways to go. I've got a lot to learn. I've been in this walk for getting ready to be 61 years. I'm just now, just now at a place where I think I can finally start to learn a few things. You know, I always thought, you know what, it'd be nice to have 
answers to all the questions. The only problem was I didn't know what the questions were. And now that I'm finding out as I got a little older, they've changed all those questions. So the answers that I thought I had before don't fit into anything that is being talked about right now in this stage of life. There are some things that you don't think about at this stage when you was 18 and 24. There's some other things going on that, God, have you prayed about this? Yep, this is part of the process. Enjoy the journey. And we can. And we can. And we can. We can proclaim the praises called us out of darkness, who were once, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Your people call my people. Your people call my people. Well, it all depends on whose people you are and who's your people. There are some people I don't want calling. Some of you have caller ID. God has called you his people. God has called you his people. So that means that God has caller ID and he'll take your call. I'm so glad he'll take your call. I'm so glad he'll take my call. Who had not obtained mercy, but now, 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 now. I love the word now. When you go to the restaurant, a fast food restaurant, when do you want your food? Now. When you go to prayer, when do you want to answer to your prayer? Now. I want it and I want it now. Lord, I want patience and I want it now. Don't ask for that. But now have obtained mercy. God is merciful. You know, when the children of Israel went out to battle, we read this the other evening whenever we was teaching about Jehoshaphat going out to battle. It says the children of Israel went out and they praised the Lord. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. When they began to make that praise and that statement, it says the Lord set ambushes against the enemies that had come up and they destroyed themselves. The Lord is merciful. God is good and his mercy endures forever. God is good and his mercy endures forever. God is good and his mercy endures forever. We've obtained mercy. Now in 2 Peter, the first chapter, this is when Peter's getting ready to go home. He's getting ready to leave this tent, this tabernacle behind, and he's pinning these words. As his divine power has given to us all things. His divine power has given to us all things. All things. All things. All things that pertain to life and godliness. What else is there? 
God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. When you get to the end of this road, it's nice to know that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Because that means you're not only just going to lay down this tent, the life that is you is going to continue and it's going to continue in a God-like fashion and manner with the same hope that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's going to raise you from the dead and bring that body back as an incorruptible, eternal, forever, pain-free, worry-free, debt-free child of God. That's a pretty good inheritance. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Glory and virtue. Glory. That's what Adam was clothed with in the garden. Glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. How many of you know you have promises that you can call on? You've got promises. You've got promises. You've got promises. God made promises to us. Is God a promise keeper? Absolutely. Absolutely. Great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So through those promises, the result of those promises is that we become partakers of a divine nature. A divine nature. This obtaining this inheritance causes us to resemble through our DNA who we belong to. Who we belong to. We escape the corruption that's in the world. You escape it. You escape it. You escape it. Like the bird that escapes from the snare of the fowler, my soul has escaped. And finally closing, verse 5. But also for this very reason, since we are escaping, it says, give all diligence. In other words, here's our part of obtaining the inheritance. Give all diligence. Add to your Let's count them off. Add to your faith, number one. Faith. Faith is important. You have to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? Every man is given a measure of faith, so you have it. You have it. It's in, it's in your account. You have it. So we have faith. Then it says, add to our faith, virtue. What's virtue? Purity. Non-compromised. Virtue. That's what Adam was clothed with. It's a purity. So the Lord is changing us. He's giving us a new nature. We've exchanged our filthy robes for his robe of righteousness, okay? You got that? So we got faith, virtue. Now we have knowledge. You have to have knowledge. Wait a minute, I thought knowledge is what got man in trouble. No, it was the wrong kind of knowledge. We have to have the right kind of knowledge, who we are in Christ. Man went after the knowledge of good and evil. Before he had known only good. 
Now, God, Christ is restoring. Peter's talking about the restorage of knowing that who we are in Christ, that it's all about him. Our focus is on him. It's knowledge of the spiritual realm that, that we're in. Faith, virtue, knowledge. Three, to knowledge we add self-control. Oh, that's the hard one. Oh, self-control. You got to have self-control. Oh, we can't have a fit when we want. We can't have a pity party. We can't have a tantrum. Lord, I thought this was going to be easy. It is easy as long as you keep your eyes on him. Self-control. That's four. Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control. To self-control, we add perseverance. You mean I got to keep doing this? When times get hard, I can't just quit? Sometimes you just don't want to get out of bed of a morning. Let somebody else do it. Perseverance. You got to keep trying. When you fail, when you fall, it doesn't make any times how many times you failed or how many times you have fallen. Get up. Keep going. Keep moving forward. If you haven't made that sale, Randy, when you teach your, your guys, your salesman, if you don't succeed, you don't quit. You go right back up. This redouble the effort. Perseverance in this, you know what? You, you won't always do everything right, but you can learn from that mistake and move up farther, faster than, than what you would if you sometimes if you had the successes. Sometimes a few failures. You've heard Rabbi's testimony about he thought he could sell anything and he went to selling apples and he couldn't sell an apple anywhere. But he learned, then he became one of the most successful at it. Sometimes those failures actually lead to greater successes. I know what didn't work, so we can eliminate that. Let's move from what does work. We'll watch somebody that's successful. My dad always told me in farming, he says, you know what? You go out and you watch these farmers, observe them. Watch the ones who are really successful, copy them. Also watch the ones that are not so successful, stay away from that. Common sense, perseverance. That's number five, faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, we add godliness. We gotta be like God? Yep, you're supposed to be like God. You're supposed to love like God. You're supposed to love like God. Godliness, number six. Number seven, to godliness, we add brotherly kindness. I got to be nice to who? God, have you prayed about that? Do you know how, you know his behavior? That's right. You still got to love him. You don't have to agree with what they do, but you can have brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, here's the big one. Number eight, love. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. Then at the end it says, for if these things, if these eight things, if faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, if these things are yours and abound, you will neither, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have obtained the inheritance. Isn't that good? 
these fruits need to be operating in the body of Christ now. Now, more than at any other time, there needs to be, it, it was really, it should be really easy for a child of God to stand out in the world today because there's so much of the other going on that you're going to be a beacon in a dark place as you've obtained the inheritance. If you would stand with me. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, I thank you that we're children of inheritance. Father, I thank you for the exceedingly great and precious promises that belong to your children because of what you accomplished for us on Calvary's tree. Father, I thank you that you came and you sent your son to die upon a cross, to shed his blood, to redeem us from every curse, to restore unto us fellowship with you. Father, I thank you that the veil is taken away. Lord, that it's completely split and splintered and and removed so that we have access into the holy of holies. Father, tonight we praise you, Lord, that you are raising up men and women, Lord, to take their place, to walk in their inheritance, and Lord, to be a light in this world. Father, that you have sent your spirit now into each and every one of us, and Lord, that we are being the examples that it's Christ in us and that as Christ is flowing through us, Lord, it is lighting the world. Father, I thank you right now for what you're doing in China. I thank you, Lord, that you're opening that door. Father, I thank you that you're, you're opening doors in other nations right now. Lord, that you're causing the blindness, Lord, to come off and that people are having to choose Lord, between light and darkness. Lord, I thank you that you've brought us to this season and time. And Lord, I believe that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Lord, that we have an opportunity now to make a difference in the world unlike any generation prior to this time. Lord, I thank you that you are raising up men and women now to operate in the fullness of the glory and the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask now for an anointing that would flow and that would flow out into each and every one, Lord, of the people that are listening to us tonight. Lord, that we'll take up that inheritance. Lord, that we'll move in the power of the Spirit. Lord, that we'll trust you, Lord, to move forward with the, with the anticipation of the miracles and the power and the glory being manifested. Father, that we will able to ask you for big things. Lord, to ask for the nations. Father, we thank you, Lord, and we do. We ask for the nations. We ask that every wall would come down. Father, I thank you right now that you're strengthening Rabbi and Christie and the Hendersons, Lord, as they're ministering overseas. Lord, we praise you right now, Lord, that you are causing your spirit and your power, Lord, to make those connections, Lord, with 
with the people of Taiwan and then the Chinese, Lord, and all that region, Father, that you are opening a door, Lord, for the one new man to, to function and operate, Lord, as they've been brought in and at a full revelation of who Jesus Christ is in them. Father, we thank you that we're getting to be a part of that and that you're calling us, Lord, into this new season, Lord, one of power, one of glory, one of hope, one of being holy because you're holy. Lord, let the, let the compromised spirit be removed from your people. Let the, let the lackadaisical, the Laodicean spirit, Lord, that's compromised, Father, I pray that we'll not be lukewarm, but Father, that we'll be on fire for you. Lord, let the power of the Spirit flow. We call on tonight, Lord, the, your, your Spirit, your Holy Spirit. Lord, pour out your Spirit in this place. Pour out your Spirit upon your people. Lord, awaken us, Lord, to the season in which we live. And this time, let us make the difference. Let us fulfill the destiny that you have called us to. Father, we ask for that anointing to flow through each and every one of us here tonight and all those who have joined us online. And Father, I thank you that that power now is flowing into your people. All of those who have opened their hearts to receive this word from you, bless them now, Lord. Prosper it. Plant this seed, Lord, and water it by your spirit, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. The worship team will just give us just a few... Next day, just go ahead and play. Yeah, just for a minute. We're getting ready to receive our offering. And um, you know, Rabbi talked the other night about whenever you was, we was um, protecting the inheritance. He talked about sowing into the seed. If you want to sow tonight, like I said, um, Dwayne and Max will get you an envelope if you need that. It's important that we have seed in the ground. It's important that you have seed in the ground. If you want to harvest... You have to have seed in the ground. So let the Lord speak to you. If you need an envelope, Max and Dwayne can help you out there. If you're online, you want to participate, you can text to so to 51555. Sow a good seed with an expectation that you're going to have a harvest. You are you have an inheritance. Tap into the inheritance that's yours. Let God bless you. God wants to. He's striving to. And so let the Lord lead you, guide you, and direct you. Father, we just thank you tonight as we pray over the offering. Lord, that you'll bless it. Bless the gift. Bless the giver. Pour in, Lord, your wisdom, your knowledge. Pour in your spirit pour in your healing, pour in your provision. Father, I thank you that you're meeting the needs of everyone that is tuning in and is listening to these words tonight. Father, I thank you that you're healing people that are ill, Lord, they have pains in their body. Father, I thank you right now that you're reversing the curse. I thank you that by your stripes, we are the healed of the Lord. I thank you tonight, Lord, that you are meeting every need, Lord, that you are our provider. You are the provision. You are Jehovah Jireh. Lord, we praise you for that. We thank you. Lord, we pray that you'll bless each and every one tonight in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. We want to thank you for joining us on streaming. 
Rabbi and Christy will be back in a few days. I'm anxious to hear what God has done there, but I'm also anxious to hear what God's doing for you tonight because God's meeting your need. And so we want to thank you. We want to bless you. And we say Shabbat Shalom. As the worship team leads us in some worship songs, you can bring your offerings, shake someone's hand, hug their necks, and tell them that you love them. Tell them that you love them because that is the mark of someone who is of an inheritance. Thank you. God bless you. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to this message from the One New Man Network. For more information, please visit us at theonenewman.com.